sorry, it's kind of weird. This is uh, the first podcast with actual visual to it. Pretty dope. And I have here my lovely wife, artist formerly known as Kylie Ran. <laughs> now Kylie Hames. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I got a lot of awesome responses from you guys about how much you liked Kylie being on here. And uh, also before we start, I want to thank you. Justin, our man behind the audio, thank you, <laughs> and uh, he's helping us out, doing us a favor today, and uh, so yeah, I got a lot of response from you guys about how you liked me and Kylie's chemistry, I know people thought it was really funny, people thought it was insightful, so I thought why not, uh, you know, as a first visual for the podcast, have her on, and we, uh, if you listen to it, there's a part one and a part two, I think it's episode 11 and 12. Uh, is kind of our whole story of how the Lord brought us together. It's really crazy and long, and we really didn't hit every detail. But uh, one of the things we didn't get to was answer people's questions and stuff like that, so we are going to do that towards the end of this podcast. And But right before we do that, we are going to talk about... Um, we, we, we talked about what mar- uh, what it was up leading up to marriage and us dating and whatnot, but now we're going to talk about uh, what being married is actually like. I think today actually is, right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's perfect. Yeah. I don't think we didn't plan this at all. Uh-uh. Uh, today's our third month being married. Mm-hmm. So the Trinity, yeah. the magic number mm-hmm. of three. And so I think we just want to talk about what being married's like and, mm-hmm. you know, the differences, maybe similarities. I don't know. It's just we're kind of, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that it's kind of very flowy. We just kind of go with whatever when whoever's on. So, uh, anything you want to say before we start? Uh, just a disclosure that, ladies, your job is so much harder. So, before we get into that, I just want it to be like abundantly clear. The adjustments that you will have to make in marriage are crazy. So, if you're a single lady out there and you are just, you know, desperately praying and hoping and wishing for a husband, just enjoy this time. Marriage is awesome, and we were just talking about how these last three months have been just the best three months of like our whole lives, but. Um, you will never get this time back. You, as soon as you're married, like your selfishness has to and really should go out the window. So I know every married person says that, but I just wanted to do that as a disclosure because I know a lot of people who watch this are single. Super so. great advice. <sighs> Super awesome it's advice. <laughs> um, well, sweet. We'll get into it. Uh, on that note, seems like a perfect segue. How, what, uh, when someone brings up what's married being like. Oh, we're talking about sex. Cool. <laughs> what? <Just kidding. laughs> this is a Christian podcast. <laughs> Just kidding. We talk about Song of Solomon on here. Mm-hmm. I tell yeah. Kylie all the time, her breasts are like two rows. This is personal. Okay. Amen. <laughs> hey, guys, if you want to know how to win them, don't do that when you're dating, but after you're married. Mm-hmm. That'll, that'll keep them for sure. Good advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I, I guess if, if you just want to go ahead and expound on that. Uh, which part? <laughs> just how you think the woman's job is a little harder, which I completely agree with. I think that's biblically correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, just the main thing is your – so the man's duty is to be the spiritual leader of the home. And so what that looks like is Brock spends a lot of his time in the Word. He spends a lot of time apart from me worshiping God. You know, he obviously does his podcast. He does music. Like he is very involved in church with like worship programs, with the children's ministry, with youth. 
Um, I don't know if I'm missing anything else on church, but like um, for the husband, his main focus is the Lord and that's completely scriptural and it's right. And that's not to say that Brock doesn't help me clean because he does. He's very willing and wonderful. Any man should be, you know, he washes the dishes after I cook. Um, he's just great. He takes out the garbage, you know, just does really great things. But the woman's job when she's married, you know, if you've read Proverbs 31 or if you're familiar with Titus 2, any part of scripture that really expounds on the woman's job, her job becomes the home. The man's sphere of influence is the spiritual realm, but the woman's sphere of influence is the home. So what that looks like is Brock is doing things spiritually and because he is aligned with the purpose that God has has chosen for him as the male, that means that I can only rise as high as he is spiritually. And within the home, it's only going to be as peaceful. It's only going to be as fluid. You're only going to be as prepared as the woman is. So Brock, before I met him, was very, uh, you know, just the same, very spiritually attuned. He was a very mature Christian. So he was spending a lot of time, you know, in the Word, doing the same thing I talked about earlier. For me, that's also what my life looked like because I was a single person. I only had me to think about, you know, I cooked once a week, did my meal prep for the week, etc. Um, so my life was very much more focused on the Lord. But now being married... Um, and obviously, I guess I'm just really talking about practical things. We can get into kind of the whole love respect thing later if you want to. But um, now, just like on that end, what my time looks like is where I used to get up at, you know, five thirty, six in the morning and spend two or three hours with the Lord uninterrupted before. Now it looks like I'll spend, you know, some time in prayer. And then I am cutting things up for the dinner that we're going to have that night. And then maybe I go back and I'm worshiping or doing whatever. And then I'm back and I am, you know, packing Brock's lunch. And then I'm making the bed and I'm doing all of these other things that I didn't have to focus on before. Um, and I guess you can weigh in if you think that things have changed, like in your morning routine. But I think your 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 uh, responsibilities to the Lord are going to be different because, like, where it used to just be like sitting in the Word, and that's how I felt like I was connecting with God and doing things. When I was married, I was still doing those things, but now I go and pack my husband's lunch, and that's what God's called me to do. So it still feels like I'm serving God. It still feels like I'm worshiping God. It's just that Brock is um, a little bit more the focus. Does that kind of make sense? I think that was absolutely perfect. And uh, I mean, if we're just going off of things like that about how it's changed, um, you know, and even though, like she said, the man is, and I believe it as well, the man's supposed to spend more time in the word and um, supposed to, uh, you know, lead them spiritually. If funny enough, like I actually, like I spend less time in the word now because I have a mm -hmm. wife and, you know, Paul talks about this. What's it? Second Corinthians seven. I believe you. <laughs> I think I it's around know. there. Might be first Corinthians seven, but he talks about this and uh, it's just like, it, for me, it's not, my life is no longer just me and the Lord. It's no longer just the, the two amigos. You know, it is to an extent. Obviously, everybody has their own personal walk with Jesus, and, you know, it's all about you too. But now, now that I have a wife, mm -hmm. you know, you have, uh, that was, it was so funny. I remember talking to the Lord about this early on in our marriage, and I was just saying, Lord, I was like, this is the strangest problem to have. I felt so weird because I was realizing that I couldn't spend as much time just alone with the Lord as I did before. And uh, that's such a weird problem to have, I think, because it's not anything bad. But the facts are like, and women are just, they need affection. They need 
to feel like you're pursuing them. They need to feel comforted. So you know what? There's times where like I might want to go pray or worship or study the Bible, but you know, I choose to hang out with my wife instead. Uh, and it's it's not a burden in any way. It's I would just say it's just an adjustment, really, because in the same way she was saying, you know, uh, her packing my lunch or making dinner or whatever is a form of serving. Uh, you know, me spending time with her is a, is mm-hmm. I hate almost hate to use the word serving because it's not like it's something I like feel forced to do. You do it because you love your wife and you want to spend time, and you know, it's just. It's it's spending time with Kylie. It's just like I'm spending time with the Lord, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think does that add on a decent bit? Yeah. I would just say it's just an adjustment that way. Mm-hmm. Sorry. The reason I paused is I totally was about to go off about like Adam and Eve and all that stuff about them like being together. And I, it's your you know podcast. What I'm about. You can do whatever you want. Nah, nah. It'll take too long. And like I feel like it's really abstract. Okay. No worries. So yeah. I'm gonna figure it out. That's why I paused. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like, what's the point of being super spiritual and in the word and worshiping and praying and out evangelizing when you're not even loving your wife? Like Christ loved the church. You know, Paul said for someone to be an elder or a bishop, a deacon, he, you know, he has to, it literally says, how can you expect to um keep in order God's house when you can't even keep in order your own house? Mm-hmm. So if I can't love you know at least attempt to obviously no one hits it perfect but if i can't love my wife like christ loved the church like the scriptures say in ephesians 5 then you know all that extra stuff and studying and all this that's just worthless it doesn't mean anything really Mm -hmm. so that i would say that was my biggest adjustment funny enough Mm -hmm. yeah no it really wasn't it was cool because brock was studying song of solomon um when we first kind of got together i don't know if you mentioned that on the last podcast or not but I was also reading it. Song of Solomon was actually one of the didn't first. didn't mention any of that stuff. Yeah, that was really cool. Not even, not like we really have to touch on it, but like when um, Song of Solomon was the first book that I ever actually studied out when I first became a Christian, there was like a woman's group on it. So it's always just had a, a huge place in my heart. So when Brock was studying it out, I was kind of reading it. And it was just really interesting how like it went from as a single person reading Song of Solomon and every word that comes from that is just just oozing the love of the Father and you're just giving it back to him. And then like we started kind of dating in the process and then it was just this like double-edged thing where we were still thinking about the Lord, but at the same time, we were thinking about the other person. And I think that that's just what's really interesting about marriage. And like, we thought it was crazy even then because we're like, we'd be in the shower, not together. We were not married yet, but we would be <laughs> like separate. And you know, like that's a great time to spend with God. A lot of Christians think that praying in tongues, just like worshiping, doing whatever. So like before we were together, we would be in the shower and just spending time with God. Our thoughts, our thoughts would be completely focused on him. And we're like, you spend all of this time trying to renew your mind, trying to get God to be like the main focus, only focus really is the highest attainment um, of your thoughts. And then you start dating someone and it's a godly thing and his, you know, approvals on it and whatever. And then suddenly you're simultaneously thinking about the Lord and this other person to where before it would feel like it's like taking away. This was just adding on to it. It just felt like almost a form of worship. Not to get too weird or anything. I'm going to talk about sex. We're married. God created it. If you have a problem with it, I'm sorry. Rock and roll. Um, this is your part to tune out. Um, but 
even like when we have sex as a married couple. So we both had sex before um, we were, I mean, you were technically a Christian. I was not a Christian. Not with each other. Not with, with each other. people. Yeah, with like past, past boyfriends and girlfriends and whatever else. And um, it always just left you feeling empty. But when we were married and we had sex with each other for the first time and just on, it was just, it felt like God's presence was just in the room. Like it felt like if you're just worshiping in, a, in your church and like the spirit crazy. falls and you just feel so much peace. So um, God obviously approves of, of your thoughts, your times and things being focused on each other because that's the way that he created it. Um, and so don't really know where I was going with that, but. <laughs> I think it was great. And I, I honestly, I want to tell a little bit about the Song of Solomon thing. So if you listen to this podcast a lot, you know Song of Solomon, my favorite book of the Bible. I think it's the pure gospel, literally. I think it's the gospel in an eight-page book, and I've only studied the first five chapters. Of, uh, I started studying January 1st of 2019. Uh, that's the year it is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 2019. <laughs> I started studying that book. I always wanted to get into it. God always told me no. He said I couldn't. And then January 1st, he said, start studying it. And even though it's only eight chapters, I've uh, studied every single verse from chapters one through five. And it was crazy because if you listen to our part one and two, you saw you heard that with me and Kylie uh, dating and getting together. It was very back and forth and back and forth and mm -hmm. uh, really mostly on her, on my on her part. Yeah, no, no doubt. And, but uh, the man pursues, so it's not unscriptural. True, mm -hmm. true. And basically in the story, just to paraphrase it a little bit without getting too spiritual, the, the story in the natural is the woman um, uh, meets, the, meets the shepherd king. She's kind of a poorish woman, meets this great king. I know it sounds just like me and Kylie. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, basically kings, the king's just so awesome. She feels unworthy. He comes around and all this stuff and then then she finally accepts his love but then she turns her back again and but he's still there reaffirming her and then they get together and then and then she feels like he doesn't love her even though he's there and mm -hmm. it goes on to that and and I know she won't mind me sharing but uh uh Kylie dealt with a lot of relationship issues before she met me and had been cheated on and hurt by a lot of dudes so when there was someone like me who was coming around that was so um you know just Loving them like Christ loved the church. How does Jesus mm -hmm. do that? He washes them with the water of the word, tells them they're pretty, they're beautiful, that they love them inside and out, stuff like that. And uh, it was just super weird because that's what was happening in our relationship. But at the same exact time, I would be reading Song of Solomon and I would get to that part in the book and it would be reflecting us perfectly. It was so supernatural, super weird. And it would be awesome because it's awesome one moment in the book and then it's kind of like, oh no, what's happened? And then it's awesome again. And it was just mm -hmm. like that. It was like every chapter I was on, that was like the stage of us. So I just, if we didn't go into that in the, in the past two parts, that's just so worthy. So, mm -hmm. and it was really strange in a weird way. It was making me understand uh, the king in the story. Mm -hmm. Jesus is who it is. Mm -hmm. It made me understand how Jesus feels about his church. Because Jesus is literally just so constantly trying to tell you, hey, you're perfect, you're beautiful, you're awesome, you're lovely. Oh, you made a mistake. I don't see that mistake. I see your heart. Mm -hmm. He sees himself in the church, things like that. But yet the church, us as the church, we're still so, no, we're sinners. We got to do these good works so that we can become clean in the eyes of God. 
They trust in the works of their hands and not in the works of the cross. And I, it was just mm -hmm. crazy because I just, that's how I felt with Kylie. I was just doing nothing but being affectionate and loving and getting her mm -hmm. uh, vegan chicken nuggets, <laughs> stuff yeah. like that. And uh, just trying to accommodate to her. But yet she was still, you know, that's just women are, when they get scarred, man, it, it, it is, it, it creates a very deep hole in their heart. It does. Yeah, we're emotional. I mean, everybody knows that. It's not a secret. Even like, because I'm not a crazy emotional woman. Like, I'm not like a crier. I'm pretty like mellow yellow, I guess is the way I would put it. So even me being kind of like on the other end of the spectrum, still just we're we're very like feelings first people. So that's just really difficult. So then a guy comes around and he's like, oh, I want to open the car door for you. And you're like, okay, well, you're not getting anything from me. So, you know, like, stop trying to do that or like whatever. Like, oh, I'm going to buy dinner for you. Why? Like, what? what's in it for you? It's terrible, but it's just true. A lot of women are like that. Amen. Yeah. So I don't know. So the key is, guys, just keep pursuing. Yep. And they'll see your good intentions. Unless you're a dude who's just doing it because you're – you got some whack motives, mm -hmm. then my blessing is not on your pursuits. Totally. <laughs> I think if it's okay with you. Okay. I am really warm, so I need to go take the sweater off. I also need chapstick. I feel like I ate like a powdered donut or something. I can't stop licking my lips. Go and so would you just, while I do that, would you start touching on kind of the love, respect, yeah, submission kind of part like on your end? Women have to do everything that a guy says. doesn't matter if it's on script. I'm just kidding. Some I hope someone's totally gonna like take that one clip <laughs> and like these grace people. Anyways, so what she was referring to is a, you know, this is a Bible podcast. Why not use our Bibles? <laughs> if you have your Bible, I'm in Ephesians five, and uh, I'm just probably just gonna read this whole thing, verse twenty one, five twenty one. It says. 22, actually. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever hates his own flesh, but nourish and cherishes it, even as the Lord the church." For we are the members of his body and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So basically, that's a lot, and uh, if you're not used to the Bible and especially if you've just been ingrained with our culture, none of that's going to make sense. And you're on a surface level, it looks like it's just saying, wives, you better do what your husband's saying. Totally not what it's saying. I think we're going to break it down here a little bit. So there's just two things I want to point out. There's two uh, focuses about this passage of Scripture. 
it says it's talking about love and it's talking about respect. And two times it tells the wife to respect or submit or reverence her husband. And two times scripture tells man to love their wives. And the reason for this is, the reason I'm pointing that out is because uh, there was, I mean, there's been studies done too, mm -hmm. but those aren't my focal point. My focal point is the Bible says it and that's why we believe it. But mm -hmm. the world backs us up as well. Not that it needs it, but what was it? Like 3,000 people, I think it was. In those books, is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, tons. I believe it was uh, around 3,000 people. Do you know the author's name of those books? Me neither. Shanae or something weird like that. I'm not sure. Whatever. It's these books called For Men Only, For Women Only. Super great read. If you like anything that we're saying, pretty much all of it's in those books. Super mm -hmm. sweet read. And uh, basically, they did a, a, a survey, I guess is what you'd call it, questionnaire, and they asked women, what is the one thing you wish you wish your husband would do, right? That's how they phrased it, more or less. Mm -hmm. They're like, what's the one thing you want your husband to do the most? most? And out of 3,000 people, the number one answer was, I wish he would just love me. And then on the other side, they asked men the same question, and the men answered. Well, so the way, if it's okay, Go the way it. that they actually, because I read the man book, or whatever, the one about men, so obviously I know what I'm talking about. They basically, they surveyed however many people, and they did uh, a choice between two, and it said, would you rather be um, loved and care, or I'm sorry, would you rather be unloved, or would you rather be disrespected? And the woman said, like, without fail, like, 96% of the men were, like, frustrated at the question because they're like, I don't see a difference. And that was kind of, like, one of the, like, determining factors for her to, like, center her book around respect. Just thought that was crazy that, yeah. So basically, yeah, so, which in a roundabout way, women, uh, they don't see a difference between the two. And men... They asked men, like, the same thing, right? Women do see the difference. They look at being unloved and being disrespected as two completely different things, but men look at disrespect as being unloving. Oh, I see what you're getting yeah. at now. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool. understand now. And then they asked men the same thing, right? And the guys that were like... That was when they asked men. That was when they asked men. What did they <laughs> ask the women? <laughs> Whatever you said before. This might have been in my book. Yeah. Because yours... Totally makes sense. I was talking about the book I read. Okay, the book I read, which was the other sex <laughs> book... Uh, the for the female gender, basically women, uh, it said for guys, their whole thing is they just, they want to feel respected and women want to feel loved. That's all we're trying to say <laughs> in a huge, gigantic roundabout way. This is us anytime we're ever like talking about any topic, we will both be like saying the complete same thing, but not realize it until like 10 minutes later. So, yeah. so sorry about that. And then you, there's an opportunity to get irritated. And we're just like, but we don't because we're Christian. Amen. <laughs> Only by pride comes contention. Yeah. <laughs> Proverbs thirteen ten. You Sometimes look you just gotta be a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Brock and I have a stand up we really love that's unholy, so we're not going to mention it. But amen. We don't watch it anymore, but we thought it was hilarious. Yeah, we don't watch it anymore, but yeah. we do quote it. So I'm not going to reference it. But nothing dirty. We don't quote nothing dirty, but it's pretty funny. Amen. Uh, <laughs> anyways, All so the bird walks, yeah. this passage of scripture. It's focusing, it tells wives to, it, it really puts an emphasis on wives respecting their husbands. Does that mean that the word doesn't put emphasis on wives loving their husbands? No, because what's it, is it in Titus 2? Where Paul says, you know, teach the younger women to love their husbands. Mm -hmm. So that's a thing, but it's mm -hmm. making an emphasis here 
on how women, the Holy Spirit through Paul, thought it was necessary to get that point across to women. Women, respect and reverence your husband. And on the flip side of the coin, the Holy Spirit thought that it was prominent for men to know, love your wives. And uh, I'll just talk about the husband side of it real quick, and then you can go to the women. So for husbands, it says, Husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Well, that word, even as, that means this thing is like this thing. Well, if you understand how Christ loves the church, which it says, it says he loves the church, it says he gave himself for it. The next verse, verse 26 says, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with what? With the washing of the water by the word. So basically a version of, you know, Christ's love, the way that he loves, the way that God loves people, not the way the world loves people. We're talking about unselfish love. He says he gave himself for it. Husband has to make sacrifices in all different areas. And then he says he cleanses it and sanctifies his wife by the washing of the water of the word. What does that mean? That means uh, you don't speak harsh words to your wife. That doesn't mean you don't speak truth. That doesn't mean, um, I'm a, if you guys listen to this podcast, I'm a pretty blunt man. I'm a very blunt man. Justin's waving his hand in the back. Five minutes. Cool. With the video. Uh, I'm a very blunt man. And uh, one thing for me, a challenge for me is like uh, I have to watch the way I word things sometimes with Kylie. And it's not because Kylie's a Sally and a little wussy because she's not really. But women in general, um, they don't the way guys talk to each other is just very matter of fact, very blunt, very straightforward. There's no sugarcoating it. If something needs to be said, we just say it. But women, it's totally different. Um, you can say the same thing with different words. The heart of your message can be the same, but there's plenty of times where I'm going to say something in a certain way, and the Holy Spirit's just like, no, listen, don't say that word. Um, phrase it like this. Women are just gentle because, and Paul talks about this with Christians in general, if you're speaking the truth but you're not doing it in love, you're like sounding brass. You're a tinkling cymbal. You're just noise. You're a noisy gong. You're nothing. And that that's definitely one thing I'm honestly thankful for out of marriage is the aspect of learning how to be more gentle, be more compassionate, and think about people's feelings. Not that I didn't, but I was just, I'm just can get so focused on uh, trying to set people free by the truth that, you know, you can lack things sometimes. But he says, Wash them with the water of the word. That's reaffirming. That's being nice to your wife, being friendly with your words, loving on them. It's just like um, hopping in a shower when you were a kid and you come in from being dirty, just seeing all that mud washed. And typically for women, they've been hurt. They've been hurt. A lot of them have. And so you as a man, if you're the one that's going to marry them or you're even if you're just in a relationship, it is your job to, uh, what's that imagery? There's a parable Jesus tells about the Good Samaritan. And there's a guy laying on the side of the road, beat up, wounded. He was robbed. And, you know, that's unfortunately what a lot of women look like emotionally. And what does the Good Samaritan do? Good Samaritan comes and just pours oil and wine into their wounds and heals it and speaks the word and it just nurtures it, put, puts them up in a safe place. So that's, that's, Paul says that. And then the other thing I want to show is it says, For men ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, even as the Lord of the church. 
this is just cool because Paul's pretty much like, love your wives like Christ loves the church. And then he's like, okay, you don't know what that means. Maybe you're a baby Christian. Maybe you don't get it. He just gives this example that no man can screw up. Uh, love your wives like Christ, or like, like you love your own body. And uh, I'll forever quote this, Doug Jones. It's like <laughs> the funniest thing on planet Earth. He's like, you know, you love your body, so what do you do? When, the, when you turn the shower on in the morning before you jump in, what do you do? You, uh, you, you feel the water to make sure it's not hot or too cold. You love your body. You know, you put uh, slippers on because you don't want to walk on the cold tiles. You know, you, you, you love your body. And he says in the same way that you do that, that you care for your body as much as a guy can, he says love your wives the same way. So I just think that's great. Um, so yeah, I'm just emphasizing what Paul's talking about here about how to love your wives. What does that look like? And I feel like I really only scratched the surface, but just being conscious of what I'm talking about can help people a lot. So if you want to talk about from your side what it looks like, you don't have to use that, but what it looks like respecting your husband. Yeah, one thing I want to say too is I think, um, so because men prize respect so highly and because women prize love so highly, um, which makes sense, just like in a totally practical way. Women are the nurturers. We're going to be the sensitive, loving ones. Men are the competitors. They're supposed to be the workers. Not like women can't work, but, you know, they were when the curse came of Adam and Eve, uh, the curse of the fall or whatever, man was given the job to till the ground, woman was not. So it would make sense that they would, you know, that we would each kind of have our own niche in that kind of sense. But I just wanted to point out that, like, the reason that it, tells women to respect and men to love is because those things don't come naturally. So I think a big thing for us is like, so the first month of our marriage, um, there was low-key like an underlying irritation most times. And neither Brock and I, we've never yelled at each other, even in our disagreements, like we disagree well, we're very level-headed, we talk. And if we feel like we are not like in a mature, respectful place to talk, we just don't if that makes sense. So we're like, we're not fighters regardless. But you know, the first kind of month of our marriage, we were really adjusting, we were acclimating, it's a huge change, like you don't expect it, but it is it simultaneously never sits in. But it also is like a just 180 shift. So however, that even works. But um, and the reason being, because I would maybe show Brock disrespect in a way that I didn't understand because women are just not really uh, naturally attuned to what disrespect even looks like. And Brock, in response to my disrespect, would show me less love and would be colder toward me. Not even in like a physical way. Completely shut subconsciously too. 100%. Very just, like, yeah, I don't want anyone to think that. It was no, intentional. not on purpose at all. But women are very intuitive and we have the feelings. So like if there's like even something slightly off in our husbands and our boyfriends, family members, even, you know, whatever, like we can tell, like we just know it's like, why are you being weird? You're cold. And sometimes men will even be like, what are you talking about? Because they won't even know. So it's true. Brock didn't do anything on purpose. But yeah, there was kind of this underlying thing. Um, and I'm just going to be completely honest here. Brock loves me very naturally. But I do believe that it is the woman's uh, main duty, if that makes sense, to show her husband respect first. Um, and that is a pretty difficult thing, especially like if you're in a marriage where maybe your husband doesn't show you a lot of love. It can be really difficult to respect someone 
who you don't feel like takes care of your needs. Um, but I noticed that, and this is like you said, completely just subconscious. Um, I noticed that if I disrespect Brock, there's like an unloving vibe. If I respect him, there's a loving vibe. Um, so I know that like with women, like we kind of control the climate of the relationship. And it only makes sense because God gave us dominion over the home. The man is going to control the spiritual aspect of the home, but the woman controls the emotional aspect. So if you guys have that, you know, kind of discontentment, underlying irritation, I just think it's really important to say like, women out there, like you're going to have to be the first to make the adjustment and like your husband will follow. Um, but so that's something that I really had to learn. And what's interesting is like things that you don't even think um, of as being disrespectful are crazy disrespectful. Like Brock, just a great example, like our very first night of being married, we were in Georgia before we like flew out to go to our honeymoon after our wedding. And we went out to like really nice dinner. We were coming back and we were going to go visit his aunt. And she lived in this massive neighborhood. There were streets everywhere. Everything kind of looked the same. It was hilly. Like it was crazy. And I wanted to comment and just be like, why don't you just like GPS it or like get the address from your dad or something? And the Holy Spirit was like, no, don't do that. And he just showed me that like if I came at Brock and said like even just sweetly like, hey, why don't we just like try to get her address? What that would reflect as in Brock's mind or even subconsciously in his feelings, whatever, would be my wife doesn't trust me. My wife thinks I'm incapable as a problem solver. My wife doesn't think I can take care of her. Um, and so the Holy Spirit showed me, would you rather be 10 minutes late to something that really doesn't matter anyways in a few hours, a few days, that's not even going to be something on your mind? Or would you rather uh, demasculate, emasculate, demasculate your husband and have this emasculate? Maybe it is, is emasculate. Yeah. Yeah. Emasculate or emasculate your husband and have this be kind of an underlying tone in your marriage. Because what happens is that women don't really let things go, it seems like. And even a lot of Christian women I know are very bitter towards their husbands. So this is like one moment where you have a choice to either let your husband do his thing and suffer in yourself with impatience or something else. Or um, you can basically just kind of pick at his his manhood and his pride. And then you're going to have basically a foundation of um, disorder in your marriage. Um, and so that's been like an interesting adjustment. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm definitely not. There are moments where Brock does feel disrespected and I can tell and it's never intentional. Um, but it was a super hard adjustment at first. Um, so I think I said kind of at the beginning of the video, like women, your job is going to be way harder. This is a very unnatural thing, especially in like 2019. We're like, we are like independent women, women, whatever, you know, feminism is celebrated. You know, everyone's like, I'm single, I'm doing me. And it's kind of this attitude of like, I don't need anybody. And there's a right way to be single and there's a wrong way to be single. We won't touch on it, obviously. But um, I think with just this thought of like, I don't need anybody. And then a man comes along, then it's like, I have to respect you. Um, so that's just a huge problem, especially with like young people. And I the think. woman tries to take the position of the man, mm -hmm. which is just unscriptural, unbiblical, not God's design at all. We all know couples like that. Most not, couples. Not trying to call anybody out or, yeah. or, or preach condemnation, but to be honest, everybody knows couples mm -hmm. where the woman runs the show. And it's, it's really, for being honest, what everybody thinks, I'm not saying this is the right thought, but Women and men look at the relationship like that and they think it's kind of pathetic. 
they think about the dude like what is Sally and the woman as like a not so nice word if we're being honest like that's just instinctual mm -hmm. but um, I just want to throw this out here too like in our marriage I'm the one who handles the finances just because it comes really naturally we've actually both work in banking so it's not like either of us would be incapable um, it's just like I enjoy doing it I you know can keep it on my mind and like you know I just it, it clicks for me I was always great at math etc that's just like one of my duties um, and so what that looks like is I'm paying bills, you know, I'm keeping track, keeping record of that. But if Brock comes to me and he's like, hey, I want this. Or if I come to Brock and be like, hey, you know, I think that we should tackle our finances this way and this way, maybe open the savings account, etc. Like I'm not doing things without him. And if Brock like dis disapproves on something, I'm not going against his wishes. As far as the women goes, so I'll just use the car as like a real life example. Um, Brock and I were getting married. I had a car. We were talking about how Brock was going to need to get a car. And so me, I'm definitely the more practical one. I'm definitely the saver in the relationship. I'm just very like methodical. Brock is not that way. So when this was the problem and it was, you know, given to me, my mentality is let it, let's get something with really low miles, a really reliable car like a Honda or a Toyota, you know, something with like four doors, very, you know, whatever. <laughs> Justin's laughing. Because I'm a, a practical lady, right? And Brock's whole thing was he wanted to get, you know, some like older car. He loves Cadillacs, like boxy, like almost like Lincoln type cars. And we live really far away from our family. So like we approached it. We both kind of gave our two cents. Um, and... At the end of the day, we were at Walmart and Brock was like, you know what, I just feel like it's my car. I feel like I just want to get what I want to get. And my flesh, I wanted to be upset. I wanted to be like, you're being so impractical. I'm like, you would seriously choose to pay all of this money for something that's, you know, whatever it is. Um, and I was just upset. But God showed me that day that like as a woman, my job, my only job in this relationship is to put forth my opinions. And as soon as that is done... I have been obedient to God. So that is completely off of me. I've presented what I think is the best choice. And if my husband disagrees with that and he makes the wrong decision, I am completely right with God. I have listened to God. I've been obedient to God. That then falls on my husband. And you don't, uh, not that Kylie's ever done this, but women, you don't, if you, it, you don't at the end of it say, I was right, I knew it. And and just hold it over your husband, because then you've pretty much canceled out all of the right that you've done up to that point. Pretty much, yeah. Don't not even in your heart. It doesn't matter if you say it out loud or not. If that's what you're thinking, you can think, "Ah, oh, man, I just knew it." But it's a heart posture. Yeah, it completely. really is, and truly, it's such a blessing. I know a lot of women out there are really indecisive. We are like not great at making decisions. Not to put you in a box or anything, but I'm like that. I know a lot of women like that. So for me, it's like calming um and it's a very good thing that i can be like okay like do what you want to do god i'm gonna go right back to doing what i'm doing um and then you just pray that's what i did i was like god like i just thank you that brock like i trust him i was like i thank you god that brock hears your voice he's gonna i trust my husband that he's gonna make the best choice for us as a couple um that he's not a selfish man that he's doing things that are for the good of both of us and not just for him and granted you have to have a, a husband or a significant other that is spiritually mature that makes it a lot easier but regardless still it is your job to submit especially if you're married if you're in a like just like a dating relationship and you're with a guy who's really selfish really self-centered etc i encourage you to just put that on pause or end it all together because those are things that truly like take a long time to uproot 
if the person even wants them to go, which we won't touch. But um, yeah, so if you're married is what I'm talking about. It's your job to submit kind of regardless. But what's funny is time passed. We were presented with a great deal for a Toyota that had super low miles and Brock totally jumped on it. We now own a Honda and a Toyota, both very practical vehicles. And Brock loves it, the Toyota, because his heart was open to it. And God really just fulfilled both of our desires because we were both obedient and did what we could do uh, in our spiritual roles, if that makes sense. I know that was like a lot of info, but. No, awesome. And side note, um, just I feel pressed to say this. Um, if you are in that position, maybe even as a girlfriend, but this is mostly for husband and wives, as a wife, if, you know, maybe you listen to the Lord a little bit more, you know, if you're just, if you're constantly, you know, I'll say maybe your heart's in the right position as in you want your husband to change or you want him to listen to the Lord more and stuff like this. Uh, you know, again, if you're ha- if you're holding stuff over his head, that's not going to do anything. And I just want to point out in First Peter, the third chapter, the first verse, it says, it says, wives, win your husband overs by your manner of living, which is mm-hmm. exactly what Kylie was talking about. If it was a situation where... Um, she just knew maybe we should go this route, but I let's let's say if there was a situation where I was like, no, I don't want to do that. It is the wife's job to submit and say, Here, here's the thing. I like the way you put it. You have opinions, and you're practical. And if a wife brings up information to her husband, and the husband still says no, wives, um, be very careful about getting bitter in your heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, be very mm-hmm. careful. And, and about what you're telling yourself, about uh, who you're listening to uh, in your spirit, if you're listening to the Lord or you're listening to the enemy. And uh, my whole thing is y- women, and I'm not trying to make this as women, you need to do this, but I'm just saying if you want, really want to change a guy, which is a lot of girls want to do that, uh, one, I'll say don't pick a, don't pick a, a douche dude. Don't pick a jerk and then try to, you know, maybe this is why women love, uh, what's that, like fixer-upper shows? Yes. Women love fixer-upper shows. So true. And that's what they want to do with guys, man. Mm-hmm. They just want to fix them up. First off, find a solid dude. Second off, uh, if you're if your guy's doing something wrong, do not address um, in a harsh way what he's doing wrong. Really, the scriptures, from what I, my understanding of it, it just says you just keep on loving God and loving and respecting him. And it says that's what's going to win your husband over. I'll be honest as a guy, um, when Kylie, uh, how do I put this? When I feel, not that she is, when I feel like she's nagging me, that makes a guy want to run away. Mm-hmm. A guy does not want to come closer to their wife when they feel like that. And if you're a woman and you're trying to nail your husband or boyfriend, whatever it is, on the things that he's doing wrong, I'm not saying you can't ever bring these things up, but I'm saying if you're constantly just beating them over the head, then, you know, it's it's the same reason why most people don't go to church because they feel like the pastor's just beating on them about their sin and whatnot. So I just feel mm-hmm. really pressed to say that. I feel like that's for somebody out there. Yeah, I actually wanted to mention it too just because that, like, you know, that first month of her marriage, kind of like I was talking about, um, I would, so my mom, what she would do when I was younger is she would like leave notes. She worked super early in the morning before me or my dad, I'm an only child, and she would like leave notes of things that she wanted us to do. As a child, totally understand it. 
um, you know, to have chores and whatever. But she would like live my leave my dad like a to do list of things to do, and he was never hip on it. But I grew up seeing that, and so then you know our, our first uh, month of marriage, Brock worked a different shift than I did. He worked more like afternoons. I worked mornings. So I would like leave for work. He'd be kind of awake and it'd be like, hey, can you do this, this, and this today? in a very kind way and in a sweet way, but I could see that it would just make Brock feel like, okay, mom, like, yeah, I'll do these three chores, like, before you get home. Like, he didn't enjoy it, and he would do it, but it was never with, like, a glad heart or anything, and God showed me that I had to stop doing that. So I would come home. The dishes would not be done. You know, the laundry would be just, like, in a basket, and it would just be really frustrating, and I would go, and I would wash the dishes, and I would have uh, these feelings of bitterness that I could feel try to come over me, and I would just pray in tongues, I would pray over Brock. I would just say, God, like, I just thank you that Brock loves you, that you are his first priority, that above all else, you know, like he um, looks to you. I would just praise God for all of the good qualities that Brock had while I did those things so that I wouldn't feel bitter. But when I stopped asking him to do those things, that's when I would come home and it would be like, wow, Brock did all the dishes today. You know, all the laundry's put away. It was like because he didn't feel like I was pressuring him to do that, because he didn't feel like I was like doing this underlying thing of like you're inadequate, like you're not doing enough for me. Because that just that kills anybody. Women hate criticism. Do you really think that like if you say things with a criticizing tone that that like empowers your man to do anything? It's the wrong way to go about it. Um, and Brock does those things with just a super glad heart. And it also like helps you as the woman. Um, because you are just, um, you're showing your husband the love and respect that he needs, and that comes back to you. When I respect Brock, he loves me. He comes home with flowers. We're not talking works-based. We're not, not at talking all. Uh, you can only love your wife if she respects you. No, you are still supposed to love them even when they're not respecting you. That's what mm -hmm. grace is, obviously. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, you're cool. Kind of lost where I was going with that but um but yeah so I just also just point like to go back on that when I said earlier like women like it's on you really to like start respecting your husbands I stand firm on that but that doesn't mean that he shouldn't be loving you I just mean like where the change is going to happen it's going to be easiest with you and men on that note you are to love your wives regardless if she respects you yep it works in the same way mm -hmm. um if a husband if a husband doesn't feel if a husband feels respected but he's not loving that will that will convict him i believe and if mm -hmm. a wife is That's not true. being respectful but mm -hmm. a husband is loving her that conviction will come upon her too yep 100 percent. and but going off what she said same situation um i mentioned this earlier but it's such a just good example i have to point it out um when she would come home and i wasn't uh doing those you know, homely duties that I, I was in a position to do because like she said, I worked at nights serving and she worked at the bank in the morning. Um, you know, I was just in the word all day. I was worshiping, I was praying. So even though I wasn't, you know, uh, sitting in my underwear, eating cheese puffs, playing uh, Super Smash Bros all day, and I was doing in my head what was something constructive, but just to go back what I said, what's the point of... Uh, spending all you know whatever five hours in the word when you couldn't even do the dishes it's just kind of you know and then uh once you just get caught in that cycle that cycle the woman feels like that and the guy feels like that it's very it is such a challenge to get it back equilibrium mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a challenge yeah it really is 
I mean, honestly, we could talk about it all day. Yeah. But uh, should we get to the questions? I feel like we did this last time. We talked for like two and a half hours yeah. about our like story. You're so right. But and um, if anybody's listening slash watching and you just have any questions, we're obviously answering questions right now. But um, although we've only been married for three months, Brock and I are both very stable, mature Christians. Um, and we both love and respect each other. Like we have a fantastic marriage. I don't know how you couldn't be married without Jesus. No, absolutely. When we're when like we don't have Jesus time, we're dicks. We suck. We're, we're like so we're mean complete to jerks. Each other. We, yeah. No, like absolutely no shame. We're laying on the table. Um, which I do just want to say this one last thing though before we get to the questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've talked about a lot of practical stuff, but at the heart, if the man and the woman as individuals and as a couple are not seeking Jesus as the center of everything in their life, you will crumble and you will suck. I'm letting mm-hmm. you know right now, you that's yeah. listening, mm-hmm. you were not good enough to have marriage on your own. <laughs> you can't do it. It's so impossible. Mm-hmm. And if you do do it, you're going to do it in a crappy way and you're going to be miserable mm-hmm. and you're always going to be seeking how to improve your marriage and get your mate to do what you want them to do. But I'm telling you, literally the only way Sorry. I know uh, me and Kylie know how to act as as a married couple is because we know Jesus and we know the Bible and we we act on how the word says to be mm-hmm. as married people and as Christians. And uh, yeah, like she said, if we go two days, if it's two days where me and Kylie haven't both um, been in the word, we are so irritated with everything. It's not even each other, but then you just mm-hmm. get two humans living together, man. Yeah. It is a, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, so sorry. No, you're good. Just like, but yeah. So yeah, where I was going with that is like, if you have any questions, let us know. We haven't been married for forever, but I do think that we have a really good handle on it. And we could literally talk about this forever. Like we just feel like, Someone said it once that, like, God didn't invent marriage to make you happy but holy. Like, it's just a consecration. It's a complete and total daily dying to yourself. Um, it's probably one of the best things that's happened in my Christian walk. It's revealed things that I've had buried my whole life and just, like, instantly. And then you have a person to help you through it and to help heal like God heals. So it's just amazing. So if you have questions, we'd love love to hear them. And speaking of questions, I think we're actually kind of perfect segue. <laughs> So, um, I won't say the person's name because I didn't, I asked them if I could, but they didn't reply, but it was like an hour ago. So no shame. So the question is, how was it transitioning from being boyfriend and girlfriend to being engaged? What did y'all do different? Did y'all feel anything different other than planning for a wedding? Uh, this person says, I just feel like everyone talks about how different marriages versus just dating and not a lot of people. Not a lot of people talk about the engagement stage. Great question. I think. Uh, yeah. You want to go? Sure. I think the coolest thing is just the excitement. Um, just because a woman, Brock, actually in that book that we mentioned earlier, there's this thing about how when um, women say "I do" in men's mind, it's like I've got them for life. They're mine, kind of thing. But the whole like title, I think, of the chapter was like women think like. When men say, I do, our response is, do you? So, like, we kind of need, like, this, like, continuous reassurance. Brock tells me he loves me, that I'm beautiful, et cetera, every day because, like, I genuinely need it. It means nothing. Like, it doesn't mean nothing to me that we're married, but 
we just like to have that like surety. And so like for me at least, like when we got engaged, when there was a ring on my finger, when he had like invested money, you know, time into planning for a wedding, like all these things, it was just like, it was a confidence booster um, for me. And it was just like exciting. It was like, it became real that like, okay, like he does love me. He does want to do something about it. So like on the woman's end, dating to engage just basically feels like almost like the difference between being like friends and like best friends you know like your friend like you call him like once in a while you maybe have like you know slightly superficial conversation you do fun things together um but then like your best friend like they're just there for you it's just a deeper relationship you know that they've got your back um maybe that's like kind of like a weird way to put it because it's well you know just like another type of relationship but it really is just like it's like a deepening and it's just like a surety and it just like it's a confidence builder for sure amen that was such a weird like what is it likening metaphor it was fine it was perfect the holy spirit will use it um my whole thing i'll be honest the very first thing that comes to mind um it is, I'll just be so plain and blunt about this. Um, like she said, we, we both had had sex with different multiple people um, before we had gotten together. It is insanely hard not to have sex. It is the hardest thing. on. Fa- I've never faced a harder challenge in my life. I'll be honest with you. Best yeah. friend of five years leaves. Cool, dude. Forgave him instantly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like... Uh, I've had some crazy things happen the past two years, but literally, and it sounds so silly, but the biggest challenge was to not have sex uh, before we got married. And the reason I say that is, is because it's just obviously when you're a Christian and you're, excuse me, when you're dating and when you're, and if you just see other women in public, you're not thinking about having sex with these women. It's not what you do. Uh, your mind might try to go there, but you control your mind. You renew your mind. You combat it with the word. You cast thoughts down and you replace it with who with Jesus. And but for a guy, man, because it's like it's this it's uh, sex in a Christian's life. I just didn't really think about it to be honest when I was single. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. really to uh, you know thoughts would come, but like I said, you do that process I just mentioned. And so, you know, it wasn't really something I dealt with, but it's it's such a different experience when you know that you know that you know that you are going to marry this person and you know, like, I am going to be having sex with this person right here. It just, it, I hate for this just to be the first thing I mentioned, but just like, it was such a struggle. It was the biggest struggle. Um Ditto to all stuff she said. It's super exciting. Mm-hmm. But for me, honestly, we really want to do a lope. <laughs> if we're being yeah, honest, we, oh. we, we want to do a lope. We didn't want any wedding. We didn't want to do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but here's another little small nugget for you. You please your parents. You respect your parents. If they really insist on doing it and they're willing to, you know, do most of the work, quote unquote, then, you know, just do it because you love your parents. But we we just we would have got there are so many days I know yeah, we were like yeah. we could just get married tomorrow like all the time and we'll be completely honest about it too it was because of the sex oh yeah I'll say it yeah, yeah. oh yes our original like wedding date would be basically like a year from right now yeah and you know what happened as we got closer emotionally and physically a little bit 
and it just got closer and closer and closer and there were like days where it was so hard we're like it literally felt like if we didn't get married like we would just sin explode like we, yeah it was so hard and nobody mentions that but now that we're married and like we talk to married people <laughs> they're like yeah it's impossible person. like it's so hard like every man married person yeah. i've talked almost every marriage person i've talked to yeah no for sure and we were not perfect like we are so open about it like we fooled around like we, we messed up yeah a lot and it was so hard just like a little like side note bird walk or whatever they always told us at bible college like don't be alone after 10 you know like there's a certain kiss that was made for sex obviously they're talking about making out and we were like oh that's so cheesy like we have self-control but it's true like once we made out and like kind of like crossed that line it was it felt impossible to me to stop doing anything um, and I think if we went back, we really would have wished that we would have spent less time alone, less time alone at night. And we were like super kind of innocent about it too. Like we started out like literally like, oh, it's past 11. It's just because we're praying and we were. Like there was nothing like in our yeah, mind bad really about were. it. Yeah, like we were seeking the Lord, but like we knew it was wrong. We crossed that line and then it was just way too hard not to do things. Yeah, um, I can't find the scripture. I know it's in here, First Corinthians 7. Uh, it's talking about, uh, Paul literally says it. He says, if you burn with desire, get married. Get married. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about doing it, bro. <laughs> like, uh, mm-hmm. And it's funny. <laughs> you know, the devil wants to single you out. He wants to make you feel mm-hmm. like you're just such a piece of crumb and whatnot. And it's not It's not godly. <laughs> it's, it's not. But uh, like we said, it was just funny either when we got married or this or that and the third, it was like I would talk to um i would talk to other men that were married and whatnot and i swear man all of them were like yeah dude what like you know it's crazy hard to not fool around and that that was uh, you know comforting in an aspect like and like i said i can tell you why and uh this is kind of what i think as well uh me and kylie we uh i think it's even harder when you're when you've done stuff before you know we both had fooled around with other people, had sex with other people, done these things. So we had known what the physical pleasure felt like. We knew what it felt like. And uh, it, there, there's, there are perks to living a holy life. There really are. There are perks to not having sex with anyone before you're married, not fooling around with anyone when you're married. And I'll be honest with you, when you start it, it's like a snowball. Once It's like, what is it? What is it like? Is it heroin? You're just like almost instantly addicted. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. It's totally like that. Uh, once you get a taste, man, you it takes a lot of uh, just gusto to stop it, uh, both secular and in the Christian world. There re- there's reasons you, you should live holy and whatnot. It's because, one, after you get into marriage, you're not scarred emotionally and physically. You're not, you know... If you never have a sexual experience with somebody, fun fact, you're not going to be tempted to think about that experience for men or women. It's kind of just like a duh. Like I can't, I I wish that, and it's not like my, if you listen to this podcast, you know, I we believe the Bible teaches you are perfect in the spirit. There is no guile in your spirit contrary to certain teachings. Your spirit is just like Jesus's. You are, you are absolutely perfect. Doesn't matter that you sin. God looks on the spirit. Man looks on the outward, religion looks on the outward, but God looks at the spirit. 
and so it's not like your spirit's tainted, but your mind, you know, you, you soak a sponge in something, it's going to soak it up for a long time, and it's still a process to, or like a towel, you know, it's still a process to get all that out of there. It's the same thing when you are off doing things with someone that's not your wife or husband. Um, I'm just telling you from experience, it is hard, especially for a guy. I know women deal with this not that much. Yeah. It's tough for a guy. It's extremely tough for a guy. Mm -hmm. And you have to fight. And if you don't have the word and Jesus in you and by your side, you're toast, bro. And it's going to cause division and problems. It's just, you know, things of that nature. I won't go too much more into that. But so one of the reasons I feel like, and what I've seen with other couples as well, what I feel like me and Kylie, one of the reasons we slipped up is because we had both already previously committed stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And, uh, we just knew, and so th that plus the knowledge of this is my person, it's a recipe for disaster. Totally. Yeah, it is. I guess we're going to move on to the next question, but for me, just to sum that up, I think the reason um, that most people don't really talk about the difference between dating and being engaged is because truly, like, there's nothing super crazy about it. What makes the difference between marriage and being single so crazy is it's a covenant. Like, it's a thing. Um that God has created to bring you closer to a person, to bring him more into the relationship. Like there's so many things that go along with it. I'm not saying that being engaged isn't different, but it's fun. People still consider, yeah, it's great, but people still consider being engaged. You're still a single person is like the way that, you know, a lot of people look at it. A lot of counselors, a lot of the word really even doesn't God. really talk about it. It's basically just the preparation for the covenant. So there's not, there's not a lot that's super different. Um, I think it's the worst stage, to be honest, because you're just, for me at least. It kind of is. Yeah, it was. You just wanted to happen already. Yeah. And uh, last piece of marriage advice, if you're engaged or whatnot, have the smallest wedding possible. Get eloped if you can, if you yeah. don't mind. It's just not, dude, it's just not worth all the money, all the time. You know, it's good memories. It's cool. Ours actually ended up very wonderful. I don't at all want to make it seem like it wasn't, but uh, it's just not worth it, you know? You guys just enjoy each other, make it very small, things like that. Yeah, I agree, because truly, like, our entire, like, after the wedding ceremony, even before, literally the whole day, you think it's just going to be a day where you're just gazing into each other's eyes, very Hollywood, very just romance in the room, and not saying that it isn't, but it was like, okay, we're taking pictures over here now. Oh, you just talked to someone for three minutes? Okay, come over here. Now we're going to cut the cake so we can take a picture of it. And now we're going to do a toast so we can take a picture of it. It's like you're trying so hard to create memories that you don't actually make any. So Amen. get eloped. It's just better. Amen. We think. Thank um, you for that question. Awesome question, I think. Yeah. Next question. Um, what if you're stronger in your faith than your partner is? Can I go first? Go for it. Okay, so... I have two thoughts on this. The first thought, and I'll try to keep this one shorter because I think that this is really like pretty clear in the word, in my opinion. Um, the first answer, the first thing that comes to mind would be um, the whole thing about being equally yoked together. And even, even in um, Amos 3.3, it says, how can two walk together lest they be agreed? I firmly believe that you can be unequally yoked and both be Christians who speak in tongues, read the word, and like believe in Jesus. Like you can still be 
different in your theology. Someone can still be stronger and the other one weaker. And like when you're yoked, that's a burden that you're supposed to carry. So I think that you need to connect on as many levels as possible. And at bare, bare minimum, it should be spiritually. Absolute bare minimum. Um, God can work with anything else. Your feelings can change. Your looks will obviously change, etc. But like your spirit, um, that is something that... I'll put it this way, don't sacrifice it because Brock being spiritual and loving the word and I'll admit it like more spiritual than me and that's scriptural. Um, it just makes my life easier. It makes me love him more. It's just better. It makes my life easier as the woman. And that's actually the second point that I wanted to go into is um, I don't look as the unequally yoked thing um, applying. Um, how do I put this? You can be unequally yoked, obviously, as I said, but I also think, so that's like a big difference to me is what that looks like. But I also like at the same time think that the man absolutely needs to be the more spiritual one in the relationship. It's totally scriptural. The man is, the, like we talked about before, the spiritual head of the home. You can only go as far, you can only be as close, um, and you and your kids as well, your home can only be like, as spiritual I hate using these words because like it's like obviously there's women out there that have husbands who aren't saved and they still love the Lord but like in a consecrated like God serving relationship like your husband should be more spiritual because he is Jesus in the relationship you're the church it's a metaphor for a reason the church gets the wisdom from Jesus the church leans on Jesus not the other way around so this question is interesting because I think that the man should always be the more spiritual one but not by a lot. Uh, is that even making sense? I feel like that kind of makes sense. That was, you know, it's funny. My answer to the question was exactly your second point. Although you should uh, both agree on the same, um, you know, you need to agree that you're perfect in the spirit, mm -hmm. the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking mm -hmm. in tongues. God always wants to heal. God is, God is love. He never does anything wrong. He is perfect. He doesn't put suffering on people. Bo uh, bare baseline fundamental Christianity, um, you need to agree on those things. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an absolute, absolute has to has to be that way. Mm -hmm. And then, but my whole thing was, um, as I'm just talking to the guys out there, really, and I guess for the ladies to listen as well to it. But yeah, the guy should know the word more. Um, not you know, it's not some huge, you know, it's not like the Catholic Church where it's like only the priests read the word and the and the people don't. You know, that's not it. But the guy, you know, should know more about the word and 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 should be able to, you know, uh, teach their wives the things that they're seeing. Mm -hmm. And the wife should be mm -hmm. able to look at the man and see the word says this and my husband does that and should mm -hmm. be able to see the word and practical example and should set the standard. It's, it totally has to be that way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was going to say. One flesh. One flesh. Yeah. Uh, next question. Sure. It's number two. Number two. <laughs> Sex before marriage. Kind of tricky or pretty straightforward? Both? And, and, uh, I guess if they're talking between two people that are trying to get married. I mean, I think she's asking, can we, uh, can two people who are going to get married or maybe that aren't married, can they have sex? Oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Well, uh, kind of like the other thing, I guess two things come to mind. 
obviously like sex before marriage is not God's best. I can tell you personally, Brock can tell you personally, anyone who's like a Christian and has had sex before, uh, it just wrecks you a little bit for that time. Like a lot of people talk about soul ties and I don't disagree with that. Um, but obviously like Christ can uproot anything at any moment. It's not a long process. It can happen instantaneously. So soul ties to me, like it's like depression or like anxiety or things like that really not even worthy of mention like if you have like the knowledge that like jesus loves you and you're freed from those things so that's kind of whatever but the thing that it does do at least for women um it gives you really low self-confidence so like on a personal note uh sex will affect you in that way um on a spiritual note it's not god's best for you so obviously like Anything good comes from God. Anything bad is from the enemy. That's just like spiritual 101. So like marriage and sex equals good. Marriage outside of sex equals bad. So like if God is not the center of what you're doing, the byproduct and the fruit of those things are never going to be good things. Um, sex and marriage brings you closer. It helps you to express your love. It helps you understand each other, get over fighting even, etc. Sex outside of marriage will do none of those things because those things are a good fruit. Make it worse. It makes it worse. It's going to cause division. It's going to cause comparison. It's going to cause all these terrible things. So those are like the way that it reflects on you, if that makes sense. But the way that it reflects on God, God loves you regardless. We're grace people, dude. Like we believe that there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. If you've mm -hmm. made mistakes in that area, if you're thinking about making mistakes in that area, if you go on to make mistakes in that area, well, Christ died for those things. And that's nothing that should ever put condemnation between you and Christ or, go ahead. I was just say God ain't, he doesn't fall off the throne when you sin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lost my train of thought again. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but that's never anything that separates you and God. But the Bible says that, like, he who commits sexual sin, you probably know where this is. Proverbs. Like, every sin that you commit is usually against other people. It says that sexual sin is the sin that you commit against yourself. And I truly believe, too, like, along with that, the only other person that's going to be affected by that is God. Just truly, like, he loves you and he cares about you. And not only is it like a sin against yourself and it like hurts you and the things that, you know, are inside of you and your feelings and all these other things, but it also like, it's just not God's best for you. And I think like for me, like I never want to do anything that hurts God's feelings. He's forgiven me and it says that he even looks past my sins. Like that's not something that he's even considering, but I know what his word says and I don't want to disobey um, I guess like the things that he's put in place because he's good to me, you know, I don't take um, Someone who's kind to me and then spit in their face. I don't know if that's too strong to say but it really is That's not how God planned it Yeah, um You know, I'm gonna talk about another aspect of it, which is um You know, uh when you have sex before marriage It's just like you do it and You think you're not dissatisfied you think you're not when you were in that state mm -hmm. when yeah. you're not when jesus is in the center of your life i'll be honest i thought i was satisfied you know but the world version of sex it's like how long can we do it like you know how how hard how how passionate and all this stuff and it's it's so you're just trying to have a good experience you really are you're just pushing yourself uh, both people, you're convincing yourself, you're lying to yourself that this is awesome. But it's just like, man, I can't, the first time me and Kylie did that, 
it was so contrary to everything I had ever experienced with sex. It was so contrary. There was a fulfillment. You, um, because not a way, but we thought that we were going to be having a lot of sex when we got married. Which we kind of do. I mean, we do. In comparison to like what we've heard other couples talk about. But we were like in relationships where we would have sex like five times a day. Like when we were with other boyfriends and girlfriends. Because we were just unsatisfied, constantly trying to, I was going to say, fill that hole, but that just sounds like an innuendo. Exactly. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's like, I don't know. It's like you're a, you, and you, I'm telling you people, you don't think this is how it is when you're in that position, but it totally is. It's like, it's like you're just like a drug addict. Yeah. You're so like, oh man, like I got to have more of it. And you keep trying to fill yourself. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, there's like no this way is, to say it. Yeah, yeah. there's really no way to say it. <laughs> You're trying to fill that empty space with something that is not proper. It's kind of like, I think about like a belt. You can take a belt and whip some children with it. Like you can spank them. The belt, you know, you could say it works good for that purpose. But what's the intended purpose of a belt? It's to go around your waist and to hold your pants up. You know, you can use sex outside of marriage, but God has only intended sex to be used in this one situation of a marriage between a man and a woman, just to clarify for people listening. You know, there's a lot of churches that are throwing up different flags around, saying different stuff, but, you know, mm-hmm. you know that's not what the Bible says. But there's a lot of... So sorry. We had Mexican for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> so we're kind of like oh, wiped out a little bit. Uh Totally. What was I saying? I don't know, man. I'm just not with it right now. I know. I'm kind of like. Come on, man Justin. behind the screen. Do you Aren't know you where, where he was just where he's going with that? It's not intended. Thank you. Thanks. We were really just seeing if you were paying attention. <laughs> Amen or oh me. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're trying to use sex in an outlet that God Almighty, Creator of the Universe, Jesus Christ. Alpha and Omega, the man who knows everything about everything, you're trying to use it in a situation and in a position that he did not design it for. It's kind of like a, like a duh, no, 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 no reason or no wonder why it's dissatisfying. And you might think it's satisfying, but until you've tasted the real thing, Mm -hmm. until you know what it's, it's like when you eat a steak from like a really crappy restaurant, bruh. And you're, it's like, if that's the only steak that you ate, you're thinking, man, I love steak. This steak's bomb. <laughs> but you know what? You go to Longhorns. Mm. You get that outlaw ribeye. Ooh, you get that mm-hmm. outlaw ribeye. You split it with your wife. <laughs> that's right. You know, I've had some great steak at Disneyland or Disney World. Excuse me. Shout out Disney World for the great steak in the Beast Castle. It's incredible. Yeah. But, uh. You, you know, if your only standard for steak is just whatever at the Mexican restaurant, no offense to Mexican restaurant, but you know, name a, what's a crappy steakhouse? Any? IHOP, do they apparently. Do steak? You're, that whatever. does sound crappy. Yeah. I love IHOP, though. No offense. Great burgers. Anyways, okay. if, if, if your version of a great steak is IHOP, and then, you know, who are you? Not in a way. But God says the steak at Longhorns is the best steak, and you have to have it just like this. Who are you to say, no, nah, I think I'm going to stick with this IHOP steak? You know, I think that's a perfect imagery. Yeah. 
of what it's like having sex before marriage. Mm -hmm. You know, the scriptures say all things are permissible, but not everything is beneficial. You want to have sex before you're married? Cool. God's not mad at you. You're still going to heaven. You're still going to heaven. You're still born again. You probably, I mean, me and Kylie were fooling around and for anyone to say that we did not have our own personal in-depth relationships with the Lord would would have just been crazy, Mm -hmm. you know? But what we're, because... Uh, sin doesn't affect God, but it, it affects you. This is why Paul says all things are permissible. All things are allowed. You can do whatever you want, but not all things are beneficial. And unfortunate, not unfortunately, having sex before marriage is just not a beneficial thing. Truly. Amen. And just want to just super quick say this before the next question. Uh, I am still uprooting religion out of my life. And when I said that, having sex before marriage is like spitting in God's face, I take that back entirely. That is something that I learned at a works church where they condemned me. And I think it's just something sometimes that you just like don't even realize is inside of you. But I just want to say, God actually has cast all of your sins completely into the sea of forgetfulness. He sees you and he sees a perfect Jesus. So Mm -hmm. take that entirely out of the way. I'm so sorry about that. I am, you know, my mind is continuously being renewed. Um, But just like Brock said, it is, if nothing else, it's just making your life a little crappier. And it's just never going to be as good as you want it to be. So that is definitely true. Um, so sorry. I just really hope that I did not put any condemnation on anyone. Jesus kisses you with the kisses of his mouth, and he thinks that you're great and you're always clinging to him. Sincerely. And, I mean, this is a practical example. You know, even us, if you listen to this podcast, it's, uh, you know, we really preach the grace of the Lord heavily. We preach other things. I'm a, I'm a faith preacher. I'm a grace preacher. I'm a love preacher. We preach these things. It's in the Word. But, uh it's just like she said, it's just us trying to uproot mm-hmm. years of being taught wrong stuff, yeah. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just, I think it was very humble, honestly, yeah. for you to point that out. And yeah, I, it doesn't, God is not angry. I, I would say if anything, if I was going to say God's anything, when you do stuff like that before marriage, really just sad. Yeah. Sad is a good mm-hmm. word. And it's, he's not mad. He's not upset. He's mm-hmm. not doing anything because you, um, you know, he's not putting sickness on you. He's not, maybe he won't pay your bills this month because he did this thing. God's just sad. I just oftentimes think about in Genesis 6, I think it's literally the most sad passage of scripture. It's God looking out at all the creation he made yeah. right before the flood, before Noah. People were uh, having incest. They were raping people, small uh, child molestation, bestiality. They were worshiping other gods. Mm-hmm. This was like... The earth has never been at this low of a point, honestly. Up in, uh, uh, really, it's kind of getting there, but we're not all the way there yet in our society. It's getting there, but you know, when it says God just looked out on his creation and he just, it just said he, he was sad. He was sad that he created man in, the, in that moment. God feels feelings. And mm-hmm. what it really boils down to is just a personal walk. Um, you can, you can, if you're, if you can do it, you can set your, set your eyes on Jesus and not on doing those things. And like we were saying, be practical, be smart, man. But the root of it is your relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Amen. No doubt. Next question. Yes. Um, so it's basically marriage slash couples counseling question mark. Yeah. Your name. And I know we're going to have different answers on this. I can almost guarantee it. Let me read it. I just want to have my eyes on it. You can go. Um, yeah, so 
I am a huge advocate for anything that makes your marriage better. I think obviously, I think it's really important, or marriage, I guess it's had couples too, anything that makes your relationship better. Um, I think don't, I wouldn't go to someone who's not a Christian because they're just not going to understand. They're going to give you practical tips perhaps, but nothing is going to touch you spiritually. Um, but yeah, just anything that makes your guys' marriage better. If you guys have a communication issue, it's good to open it up and find out why. You know, if um, if somebody pulls most of the weight, if someone's uncomfortable with the way that people, you know, someone else does something, if someone is unfaithful in a marriage and there's bitterness and there's hurt and you need to work through that, I think it's an awesome thing. I think it's great to use your resources. I look at it the same as people going to their pastor with questions. I think it's a great thing. Obviously, God's best would be that you use the Holy Spirit as your counselor. And I think that that has, you know, a place in Christianity, of course. I mean, the um, the marriage counseling, the Holy Spirit always has a place. It's like he's like the central theme of Christianity, so I don't mean that. But, um, yeah, obviously God's best is that you bear all things to him, that you cast your burdens onto him so that he can heal your heart. But I know not everyone is at that place, and if that helps you, I'm all for it. I think it's great. Good answer. I don't, I don't really disagree. Okay. I think it's a double-edged sword, personally. There it is. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just feel like if you know the Word and you know how to operate in love and you know how to listen to the Lord and you have an open heart, I think you're going to be fine. But I, I also think not everybody's like that. So lo and behold, kind of almost a substitute is marriage counseling. But... uh. First thing I'll say, yes, absolutely has to be a Christian. Two, my only thing about marriage counseling is you're going to go to a marriage counselor, who to someone who claims to know the word, and, you know, it's like a, it's they're using tactics that aren't, aren't even in the Bible, and I just feel like it's a very easy way to get your footing off, um, have not a good foundation in a marriage, because not in a way, 90% of marriage counseling classes are works based mm -hmm. yeah. my whole thing is um if you're gonna go to marriage counseling or not even marriage counseling if you're gonna sit down and talk with christians about your marriage and what to do if you're engaged or thinking about getting married you got to make sure that they understand the unconditional love of god mm -hmm. and yeah. you got to make sure that they're not telling you now wife you have to do this 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 and this and husband you have to do this 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 and this those aren't wrong statements but if the center of it isn't Jesus in your marriage and isn't – it's kind of like you you can't – a a counselor can't explain how to love unconditionally for a husband and a wife to love unconditionally when they don't understand how Jesus loves us unconditionally. You know, I don't know. The word risky comes to mind, to be risky. honest. Just because mm -hmm. marriage counselors are just kind of whack and they don't know the word. We were insanely fortunate that our church – started a marriage program mm -hmm. that was just completely contrary to any marriage teaching I've ever heard. And since then, we actually had to do other marriage things uh, for, we were forced to do them for other reasons. Um, and they were, they were yeah. so whack. They were so insanely whack mm -hmm. compared to what we heard at, at, at um, the, the grace centered church that mm -hmm. we attend, which is healing grace. If anybody, Plug. <laughs> yeah, if anybody lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Sunday mornings, 9.30 breakfast, 10 o'clock, 10.30 service. Praise God. But 
So I don't know. How do you feel about that? About what you said? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think a marriage is between two people and you're inviting a third person. Um, I guess, too, the way I look at it sometimes is that can almost bring validity into a relationship uh, or, like, to problems. Counselors aren't perfect. So if you're if you're dealing with infidelity issues and your marriage counselor is someone who was divorced or had a marriage, you know, um, that uh, that they got cheated on in or something like they're slanted. Only God is perfect. He's the only one who's going to come from a very like objective point of view. Um, so yeah, it can be risky to invite other opinions in there. I will say though, I think it's cool um, to even find your own counseling together. You know, I know that there's tons of resources out there. Um, I love to personally just Google uh, scriptures about heartbreak, for example, scriptures to help infidelity, because then literally all it is is yeah, it's an it's an outside source because it's it's Google, so it's like helping you to find things. But there are resources out there where it is scripture based, where you can still let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. Because um, I know, like when we were having issues, like before we got married, and I was discovering that I had, you know, a lot of bitterness. Religion. That was all Brock. When I had a lot of bitterness and when I had like um, like commitment issues and abandonment issues and like all these things that I didn't know about that that brought up, I didn't run to a counselor. And that's not a wrong thing. I know tons of people who go to counselors and that's cool. But I didn't run to a counselor. I ran to the counselor and I said, God, here are these things in my heart. I presented them to him. I gave these things to him. And you know what happened? Days later, hours later sometimes, that exact moment sometimes, it's like, wow, it's just gone. Like God just took it. I gave it to him. It's gone. So for me, I would way rather do it that way. Um, if you want to spend thousands of dollars for years and years of counseling, I don't frown on that. I just think that there's a better way, I guess is how I would sum it up. Perfect. What if you're, this is kind of easy, I guess. What if your partner isn't a believer? Don't marry him. Don't marry him. Don't marry him. If, oh gosh, yeah. If you're married, already married, and then you became a believer, you can't leave them. Scripture says not to. It's mm -mm. pretty clear. But uh, yeah, if you're dating someone and they're not a Christian, you, I mean, I guess you can marry them, but it's going to suck. Yeah, let's just save you a lot of time if you're thinking about. So if you were in a relationship with an unbeliever, you should have never even gotten to that relationship. So if anyone's thinking about it, just save yourself some time. They don't know Jesus. They're not going to know how to love you. Chances are they're watching porn anyways. So they're just thinking about other people. You're not the source of their affections. They're going to be carrying around a lot of crap, probably have anger issues, probably depressed, probably anxious. They don't have Jesus. They're looking to you to fill a void. Uh, they're looking to anything else to fill that void. You're going to get hurt. It's going to be unproductive, unhealthy. It's just not the way. If you're dating someone like that, dump them. Deal with the hurt that's going to be for a week, right, after like not being in a relationship rather than getting yourself into this deeper, becoming emotionally attached, becoming pregnant or getting somebody pregnant, et cetera. Like, who knows? I'm just saying, like, there are things that are going to tie you to that person. Just rip the Band-Aid off. No offense. Get over it. Amen. You know, move on. Deal with that hurt that's going to hurt for, like, a week rather than deal with an entire life of hurt. Praise God. Um, and if you're married, uh, we talked about it earlier, you know, just uh, men will be won over by the wife, um, just serving the Lord, be a good example. Don't be a Christian that's sitting there and condemning the person for not going to church, wow. being religious, being pious, 
being judgmental. If we look into your relationship and we can't tell who the Christian is, you're doing it wrong. I'm just wow. being honest. So don't come at them from an above me point of view. Um, I know a lot of people know this. Joyce Meyer, she was not a Christian when she married her husband. Her husband was loving. He was selfless. He took care of the kids. He he cared for her. She would be a jerk and he would respond in love. And you know what happened? She became a Christian because nobody is like that. If you have a spouse um, who's not a Christian, they're going to want what you have. But if you walk around just as depressed, just as angry, just as bitter and just as argumentative as they are, you have nothing that they want. Absolutely nothing. In fact, you're going to make them run away. It's the hypocrites that crucified Jesus and it's the hypocrite that's going to crucify your marriage. And that translates to everyday life if we're talking about that type of stuff. If you're a Christian, mm -hmm. absolutely no condemnation. You know, Jesus still loves you. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you might be a certain way, but Jesus still loves you. He doesn't love you based off your performance in any way, shape, or form, contrary to what the church preaches. But, uh, you know, you're walking around as depressed and complaining. You're just as anxious. You don't know if your bills are going to get paid. You're you're sick just like everybody else. You take just as much medicine as everybody else. If you take medicine, no condemnation. But I'm just saying, you know, God constantly in the Word is like separate yourself from the people that aren't believers. Mm -hmm. And if, if that just translates perfectly from marriage to friendships, uh, not because you're super obnoxious about it, but everyone in your life should know that you are a Christian because you walk in such selflessness. Really, what did Jesus say? He said, how will they know that you're my disciples? Because you love people. You love the brethren. Yep. You love people. You're Man, I'm, I'm telling you, there, there's times... Um, where you're working somewhere, you don't have to say a word, and your coworkers will start to notice. Man, that guy or that girl, they are always just happy. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many people have just talked to me, and they're like, what's up with you? Like, why are you like this? And then, boom, you get an avenue. It's like, Jesus, man, that's the reason why. Dude, I've never seen you sick. Dude, I have never seen you worried about money, never seen you worried about this, that, or the third. You're always just cool, calm, collected. How, how do you have this sway about you? And then you just get to say, bro, it's not me. It's because I know my Heavenly Father trusted me. So not to get off on that, but that just, I, I couldn't, I can't even add to the rest of her answer. She said everything perfectly. I thought you said rant, sir, at first. <laughs> like it was a rant oh. slash answer. Rant, sir. My rant, sir. Yeah, just stepping off of the soapbox. I don't mean anything in like a harsh way. I think we're both just like super firm. So if you don't know me, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just... I'm yelling at you. Yeah, Brock's yelling at you. Um, so this is the last question. Is adultery really the only grounds for divorce? Simple answer? Yes. I mean, Jesus didn't, you know, Jesus didn't give any other qualifications. And if we're being honest, too, that was kind of an out. It wasn't God's plan for even um, people who commit adultery to, to have a divorce. That was something that Moses kind of gave as like, okay, like if you must kind of thing. And I'll be honest, like I've been cheated on by every boyfriend that I've had. Like if I was cheated on in my marriage, like my first instinct would be to leave, like without question. Um, so I'm not even saying that like, I know Christians who have been cheated on and stay in a marriage and like kudos to them. Like that is a very strong I know Christians person. right now that are dealing with stuff like that. Yeah, and it brought so much in. But I'm just saying like, I say that, but like that's, I probably couldn't stay in truth. But um, the only grounds for divorce, I think it's a terrible mistake to do it. 
I think the way that the Bible talks about divorce, it's not like two people separating. It's literally like cutting off a limb is like what I've heard that the Greek means. It's like you're losing something that's attached to you. Both people are going to go away scarred. Even if you're the person who's like, I want the divorce and somebody else doesn't, and you think that they're the only one who's affected, um, you're wrong. There's hardness in your heart um, to be able to do that. Um, and truly, it's just sad. When things happen in your marriage that make you turn against the other person, you're doing it entirely wrong. We know that it's like the enemy, it's the principalities, it's the power of darkness. Like we don't deal with flesh and blood. So like if your husband or wife are doing something to you that makes you want to do things for the grounds of divorce, you guys need to get on the same uh, side, stop fighting with each other and start understanding the spiritual aspect of what you're going um, through. Um, I guess just like a different scenario is if like you're in an abusive relationship. Um, I, I guess I personally would say like, do whatever you think that you need to do to be in a safe place. So if that means that you guys are separated for a little while, if that means that you have to take your kids out of the home because their father is, or I guess mother too, I don't mean it like that, I think that that's stereotypical, but if your spouse, the other parent is abusive towards your kids, or something like that, you need to be a responsible parent and take care of your children. Like you don't let them be in harm's way. So if that means that you guys are moved out, if you're staying with your parents or something of that nature while you guys work through kind of what you're going through, awesome. If you don't think that it's something to be worked through, you need to like figure out what's best for you. I'm never gonna like condone divorce and say like, yeah, do it, because I don't think it's right. But I also don't think it's right to live in fear all the time if your spouse is abusive. Um, I think that that's a gray area. I think for me, um, I, I could never sit down and tell a man or woman who's being physically or sexually abused or emotionally, well, emotionally abused is slightly different. If you're like in physical harm in a marriage, I will never sit here and tell you not to get a divorce. God's going to forgive you. You're not going to feel a separation from God. God's not going to stop talking to you and having his protection over you. But obviously God's best would be that you guys would both be submissive to the word, submissive to his teaching and his voice and to the other person. Uh, I just thought about a, a kind of a prerequisite to this question is if you don't want to get a divorce, my grandmother said this to me all my life, and I it, it, it just reigns so true as I get older. The two most important decisions you will ever make in your entire life will be accepting Jesus and who you marry. Everything else in your life will rest on the hinges of those two decisions. And uh, so if you don't if you're scared of divorce, the key is marry the right person. You might ask how do you marry the right person? This is where you hear from God. This is this is where if you've listened to our part 1 and 2 of our story, I persistently prayed. Kylie persistently prayed about if we were supposed to be married and we had got the go-ahead from the Lord. If you don't have a resound, I mean a resounding yes, not just like a, well, God could be saying yes, but I'm not sure. I don't mean if you don't know that you know that you know that you know that this is your wife or this is your husband, then don't do it. Don't, don't you... I have sympathy and compassion for people, and God can turn any situation around. But don't neglect what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, and then wonder why you're having all these problems in your marriage. Yeah. You know, I'm. You know, 
uh, Jesus is Savior, Jesus is Lord, and Jesus doesn't operate by, you made your bed, now sleep in it. Jesus doesn't do that. He, he says, that, you know, you made your bed wrong, or, or you whatever, you made your bed, but I'm going to help you, I'm going to fix it, I'm going to make it for you. Jesus can totally do that in any situation. But you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot, I would honestly say, by not having that go ahead. So if you don't want to div- have a divorce, then that's the first thing I would say. I don't know. I'm just going to read these scriptures, honestly, just for a point of reference. Uh, Jesus is talking here, and the Pharisees ask him, why is it lawful uh, for a man to put away his wife? Jesus says this stuff, and he says, uh, two people that get married, they are no more two, but they are one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And then the Pharisees say, they say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement to put her away? And listen to what Jesus says. He says, He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Mm-hmm. So this is Jesus talking about, like Kylie was saying, divorce is not God's best plan. And uh, I'm just saying, uh, I'm going to... I have compassion and mercy on people's situations, but there are people who have been in some of the worst marital situations that were Christians that stayed with their wife or their husband, and yet you can't do it because of this one little thing. I'm not trying to condemn anybody, but who is it? John G. Lake, right? Yeah. I believe it's John G. I Lake. So. This, if you don't know John G. Lake, insane preacher, went on to change the world, mm-hmm. really, revivalist, got kind of wacky in his latter years, but still a man of God and, and did a, a great work for the kingdom. This dude's wife wasn't born again and was a witch, literally practiced witchcraft and would beat him. Like, you want to talk about being emasculated, you know, and what I, I'm saying this, I, I'm not even going to comment on the physical abuse thing. I just won't even give a yes or a no, I'm going to say what I feel the Lord's put on my heart and you can apply it to how you see it fit in a situation like that. If you're a guy or girl, you're being abused or it's not a healthy marriage or things like this, you cannot do it in your own efforts. You will fail. Mm -hmm. You'll absolutely fail miserably. But I'm telling you, when people treat you like trash, when you have the love of Jesus and you have him on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit will rise up in you and give you the power to be in that situation if you are yielded to him. You know, I've been in, it's just so, such a picture, Jesus on the cross, the very people that crucified him, yet he looks at them and what does he say? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Same same in Acts chapter seven, I believe it is, when they stoned Stephen. They're, they're literally stoning this guy to death. And, and Stephen says, Lord, count not this sin against them. That is only possible with the compassion. <laughs> Bless the Lord. With the compassion and the love of Jesus. <laughs> it can only happen that way. So if you're in a bad situation, if you're trying to do it yourself, you're going to fail. But I'm telling you, you keep the word in front of you. You keep it. You write it on the, on the tablet, on the table of your heart. You speak these things, you you walk in love, you will be able to take whatever your spouse dishes out to you, and you'll be able to have compassion on them. You'll be able to feel sorry for the very person who is causing you pain, only through Jesus. So, and, and it, you know, and 
the reason why the person has a question about adultery is because Jesus went on to say, And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his life, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, commits adultery. And whoso marries her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. The way this is always read to me, and you can comment, it's read to me, you're marrying two people, you become one flesh. God no longer just sees you by yourself. You know, he sees He sees Brock and Kylie as one person. Mm-hmm. So even though you have stepped away from each other, that's not how God sees it. God still sees it as you are one person. And that's what I just personally believe. I'm not saying I have all the right, light and revelation on it, but I'm uh, from what I understand, it just seems to me like you're trying to go off to other people. You're getting a divorce and you're looking towards other people. And meanwhile, God still sees you're with this person. And I just think it's it's just a lot of, not in the spirit, but almost pollution is the word that I, you're kind of um, taking what God has made and distorting the perfect vision of it. So that's just, you know, opinions are like noses. Everybody's got them and they all got holes in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think just as like a final thing on that topic is um, God's never mad at you. Mm-hmm. I really, I'm not going to, I know a lot of like religious people would sit there and almost like imply that God would rather that you be beat every night than defecate on his covenant. And that's just not true. Like you're God's number one priority. And if you personally feel like you're in danger or that this burden is too heavy for you to carry, even though you should have cast it on the Lord. But if that's how you feel, um, God's not going to be mad at you. Your life is not going to suck. He'll bring you someone again who's going to love on you the correct way. So I think it's just very individualized, um, and there's no condemnation. And if anyone in your life is condemning you for any of those choices, um, just know that God is not. People are imperfect. They're going to be an imperfect representation. Even elders, pastors, bishops, etc. in your church, they are not always going to point you um, to the things that Jesus would actually say. So I'm telling you um, that... He just loves you regardless. So don't worry about this. Don't don't fret about making a decision like that. It's completely with God. Just get quiet. Hear what he has to say. If nothing else, he'll just strengthen you and it'll make your, your burden lighter. Amen. And it's really, uh, see, the problem with church is, is you, you could ask this question in a church and they will just give you the aspect of, you need to do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And it might be truth, but they don't throw in the most important element, which is God is not mad at you in any way, shape, or form. does not matter what you do. I'll say it live and on air and in visual. God does not, sin is not an issue with Jesus. And you might say, you're making light of sin, and I'm saying you're making light of Jesus. Anyone who says that has no concept of what God has accomplished on the cross. Mm -hmm. God's just not mad. And uh, obviously, you know, you heard, two different perspectives of the same coin, really. Mm-hmm. Two different approaches. It. I'm telling you, you need Jesus. She's saying you need Jesus. Basically, you need Jesus. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. You got any questions, Justin? Cool. You gave us the funds. Well, uh, thank you guys for watching, for listening. I'm kind of really excited about this. It's the first visual for this podcast. Thank you to the faithful listeners. Thank you to the people that submitted questions. Mm -hmm. Super awesome. Super groovy. And uh, super groovy. (laughs) I guess let's just end with a prayer here. Father God, we just come to you and we just thank you for each and every person that has 
feasted their eyes or listened to this with their ears. We just thank you that seeds were planted, seeds were watered. And I just pray for each and every person watching and listening that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened and they would just come to such a revelation of how much you love them, Father. And from that will spring forth all the all the answers to every questions they could ever have and there will be a peace and contentment in their lives as you are the source of their satisfaction in life. And we thank you, Father, that even as husband and wives or boyfriends and girlfriends, we recognize that those people are not our true source of happiness mm -hmm. and that you are what we delight ourselves in, Father. But we also get to enjoy our spouses and we just praise your wonderful holy name in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you guys for listening. Praise God. Hope you have a good week and uh, 